hello and welcome to a, another episode of the iFormerX podcast. My name is Stuart Haynes and I'm honored to be the host of the iFormerX podcast. Every two weeks or so I get to interview some really bright people who are working on the front lines of patient care. Our mission at iFormerX is to create an online space where people can talk about and consider the latest evidence and how it impacts practice. And this community of practice is made possible by volunteers who write commentaries, provide peer reviews, post comments, recruit new members, and provide financial support. So I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and being a member of our community. There are so many ways that ambulatory care pharmacists are making a difference today. When I first began my ambulatory care practice journey about 30 years ago, most AmCare pharmacists took care of patients with anticoagulation therapy, primarily warfarin, and a few were managing patients with diabetes, and titrating antihypertensive agents was also part of our bread and butter. But today, ambulatory care pharmacists are providing comprehensive medication management services in primary care settings, as well as practicing in specialty clinics managing patients with all sorts of chronic illnesses, such as chronic pain, drug use disorders, multiple sclerosis, and heart failure. So, when the Affordable Care Act passed and it included provisions for an annual wellness visit for Medicare recipients, it seemed only natural that a pharmacist might be a particularly well-suited and well-trained practitioner to offer this service, given that many older adults take multiple medications and a comprehensive medication review is considered a key element of these visits. Over the past few years, there have been several reports in the pharmacy literature about pharmacists providing annual wellness visits, but most of these reports have focused on feasibility and revenue generation. So a recent report, which was published in the Journal of the American College of Clinical Pharmacy, compared the effectiveness of pharmacists and primary care physicians who were conducting annual wellness visits at six legacy medical group clinics in Portland, Oregon. So I wanted to take a closer look at this paper and here to tell us all about this study and its implications in practice are Dr. Brenna Galen and Dr. Nicole Slater. Dr. Galen is a PGY1 pharmacy practice resident with an emphasis in ambulatory care pharmacy practice. And Dr. Slater is associate professor of pharmacy practice at Shenandoah University the Bernard J. Dunn School of Pharmacy, which is in Bucolic, Winchester, Virginia, and both Brenna and Nicole practice at the Selma Medical Associates, which is also in Winchester. Uh, Nicole is a, a member of our editorial board, and 10 years ago, when she was still a student, she recorded and created a video tutorial for iFormerX on, on number needed to treat, or NNT. So she's been a member of the iFormerX family for many, many years. Nicole, it's great to have you back, and thanks for getting Brenna involved as a first-time guest. Welcome. Thanks, Stuart. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. Yes, and I'm very excited to be involved in this. So, Brenna, I'd like to start with you before we talk about the study that the two of you reviewed in your commentary. I'd like to know a little bit more about annual wellness visits. I understand that these are a benefit under Medicare Part B, I believe, but is everyone eligible 
or only certain patients? And what does an annual wellness visit involve? Yes, these are a benefit under Medicare Part B, but not necessarily everyone is eligible. First, the patient has to be enrolled in Medicare and Medicare Part B. And second, the patient must be seeing a Medicare-approved provider, such as a physician, qualified PA, or NP. So when someone meets these criteria, Medicare will completely cover the cost of their initial wellness visit and the subsequent annual wellness visits. Medicare will not cover the annual wellness visit if it takes place before that one-year period. These visits are focused on a patient's overall wellness and developing a personalized prevention plan. So the services provided here go beyond solely evaluating physical health and include evaluations of mental and psychosocial well-being. So normally, growing up in your adult life, go in for your physical exam and they check your reflexes, they look at your eyes and your ears, but here in an annual wellness visit, they really want to evaluate your mental and psychosocial health. For example, one of the key components to an annual wellness visit is the health risk assessment form. This is a form the patient will fill out. It asks questions about feelings of anxiety, depression, pain, activities of daily living, and it even includes some questions about falls risk and medication adherence. Some other components to the visits include a mini mental state exam, completing a depression screening like the PHQ-9, and also reviewing past medical history and lab work. Another step to these visits and something that we as pharmacists are very passionate about is the medication review. This is especially important in the primary care setting because patients may go see specialists or be hospitalized and their medications can drastically change between visits. Lastly, as a part of the annual wellness visit, an appropriate screening schedule should be established. So this entails a vaccination schedule, screening for colon cancer or prostate cancer, when should the patient get their next bone density test, mammogram, eye exams, any overall health screening measures. After the finalized prevention plan is made, this typically concludes the visit and then they schedule another one for the following year. I did also want to mention that the provider may talk about advanced care planning services or end-of-life care if they deem it necessary or if the patient asks about it. So, Nicole, the study the two of you reviewed in your commentary is entitled Comparative Performance of Annual Wellness Visits Between Pharmacists and Physicians at Primary Care Clinics, and it appeared in the December 2021 issue of the Journal of the American College of Clinical Pharmacy, or JACCP. Now, I hope everyone will download and read the paper for themselves, but can you give us a brief summary of the study methods and some of the key results? So this was actually a retrospective chart review that looked at both pharmacist and physician interventions during an annual wellness visit at six different primary care clinics in Portland, Oregon. The investigators were most interested in care gap closure and appropriate medication use for things like statins, aspirin, PPIs, and even bisphosphonates. And they also looked at the need for DEXA scans in these patients as well. 
Patients were enrolled if they were eligible to have an annual wellness visit between August 1st, 2018 and August 31st, 2019, and they were scheduled upon availability of either the pharmacist or physician schedules, meaning that the patients were not selected to see one over the other, but were actually scheduled solely based on whichever provider was available to complete an annual wellness visit that day. And one thing to note is that the workflow was similar between the pharmacist and physician groups since both of those groups actually used the same documentation forms and medication changes were allowed by pharmacists under collaborative practice agreements that were in place with the primary care clinics. A total of 585 patients were enrolled in the study and pharmacists actually performed 416 of those that were eligible. And the medical records were reviewed for care gaps, which essentially meant any major difference between guideline recommended best practices and actual care received by the patients related to both cardiovascular disease and osteoporosis. The primary outcome, which was the rate of care gap closure, was statistically significant in both groups, so both the pharmacist and physician groups, and that demonstrated non-inferiority of pharmacists when compared to physicians for identifying and closing care gaps during annual wellness visits, which essentially was the primary endpoint. Pharmacists identified 233 total care gaps and were able to close 120 of those. It was also noted that annual wellness visits were helpful in identifying medication-related issues and enhancing vaccine administration rates among patients who were seen by both the pharmacist as well as the physicians. Pharmacists were also able to identify close to 700 medication-related changes and administered vaccines to 70% of the patients who were eligible. While I love this study, Brenna, and I understand that conducting unfunded practice-based research like this is really challenging, I think the study has some weaknesses and potential limitations. Retrospective studies are always prone to confounders. I know that many journals encourage authors to use the equator guidelines when creating their study protocols and reporting their findings. How well does this study follow the strobe guidelines for retrospective observational studies? And what, in your view, are the key strengths and weaknesses of this analysis? Overall, this study follows the strobe guidelines well. I think one of the key strengths of the study is the comparison of pharmacists and physicians. We already know that pharmacists can successfully complete an annual wellness visit, but what's nice to see here is how well pharmacists comparatively perform. Also, to our knowledge, this is the first study comparing care gap closure rates and demonstrating non-inferiority in the performance of annual wellness visits. Previous studies have shown that we as pharmacists can complete an annual wellness visit, and some have even compared our performance to physicians, but this is the first one that's looked at care gap closure rates. This is huge because it's a very important component of patient care and also Medicare reimbursement. Some other notable strengths include a larger sample size compared to some other annual wellness visit studies, and here the ability of pharmacists to prescribe and make medication changes because they use collaborative practice agreements or CPAs. 
there are other states that utilize CPAs, but not every state does. So all of that being said, there were some limitations. This was a retrospective chart review and information was limited to what was actually documented in the EMR. Another major limitation was lack of randomization. I can see where randomization may have been difficult in terms of balancing the patient load between providers while also accommodating patient schedules. Also, the annual wellness visit volumes varied between the different clinics within the medical group. So there were some barriers to why the volumes varied, and one was lack of access on provider schedules. They just didn't have time in their day to schedule these visits. This could be a good thing because it led to the pharmacist group completing more annual wellness visits as they were able to fit in more appointments in their schedules. But even though the pharmacist group may have scheduled more visits, referrals are often required for continued follow-up and disease state management through a CPA. So the lack of referrals for follow-up with pharmacists might have decreased opportunities to close additional care gaps. So despite its retrospective design, Nicole, I believe this study provides some pretty solid evidence that pharmacists do a very thorough job when it comes to conducting annual wellness visits and are just as likely, perhaps more likely, to identify and resolve gaps in care. And I I know that you've been involved in developing an annual wellness visit service in your clinic. So what are some of the key lessons that you've learned from this study and from your experiences to date? For me, this study has further strengthened the importance of getting involved in performing annual wellness visits in a large, private, and very busy primary care practice. And I really believe that this study should have all ambulatory care pharmacists questioning whether they too should be performing annual wellness visits at their own practice sites if they are not already doing so. I also think that this study provided some ground for us to stand on when developing a new proposal for our physicians and key stakeholders because they can clearly see the benefits of having pharmacists involved with performing annual wellness visits at other institutions. And I truly believe that performing annual wellness visits not only allows us to have more variety in our day-to-day practice, but it also opens up opportunities for us to optimize medications and secure more physician referrals, collaborate with other healthcare providers to ensure optimal patient safety, and also improve the overall health and well-being of our patients. Brenda, Nicole, I really want to thank you for being on our show today and talking with us about annual wellness visits. I think this is a great way for pharmacists to enhance the quality of care that's being provided to patients, prevent medication misadventures, and to keep people healthy. For many older adults who are frail and and their health is declining, I think we should be looking for more opportunities to prevent problems so that people remain at home and active in their communities. Uh, Do you have any experience providing annual wellness visits in your practice? If so, tell us what you do and how you identify patients and what are the most common problems you find. Remember, only iFormerX members can leave comments and use the interactive features on our website. So if you're not already a member, be sure to sign up today. It's free for health professionals and students who are enrolled in health professional programs. And by the way, this program will be available for board recertification credit for 
board certified ambulatory care pharmacists later this year. We've partnered with the American Pharmacists Association to offer this program, which includes the written commentary and the podcast, as part of their ambulatory care board prep and recertification program, the Literature Evaluation Series, which is available on demand anytime, anywhere. So learn more about this program by clicking on that link posted below the commentary on our website. And lastly, I want to say thank you to Jason Zupek from the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, recently joined the iFormerX Advisory Board. Uh, Jason reached out to me a couple of years ago wanting to write a commentary with a resident, and he's recruited other residents and students to join iFormerX over the years. And Jason is really interested in interprofessional education and collaboration, and I'm confident he will bring some fresh ideas for us to consider in order to make iFormerX a more valuable tool for pharmacists and health professionals who work in collaborative care environments. Well, until next time, this is Stuart Haynes, Editor-in-Chief of iFormerX, signing off. Be safe, my friends. Mm-hmm.